everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Technical Difficulties Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, various mental health topics and diving into different aspects of mental health in the tech industry. So the first topic we're going to be delving into is work-life balance and work-life balance as it relates to the tech industry. You know, as COVID wears on, people are starting to look at readjusting their work-life balance. A lot of people are working remotely and starting to look at working remotely on a more permanent basis. And as with any change to somebody's working situation comes the rebalance of work and life. So we're going to talk to a few people who have balanced their work and life in different ways in the next few episodes. The first person we have on our podcast is an excellent friend. He's really a guy I look up to, um, and you'll see why very shortly. So without further ado, our first guest is Will Darton. Will? Hey, Chris. Good to be here. How you doing? Good, thanks. Good. So first, Will, uh, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just talk about where you are now, where you work, your life outside of work? Um, what do you do for fun, etc.? Sure, yeah. Uh, so my name is Will Darton. Uh, you may know me if you're in the tech circle, circles, particularly with a certain software vendor. Um, I currently work for the world's largest federal credit union uh, as a Unix systems engineer, support lead architect, jack of all trades, man of many talents, but very few gifts, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I've been working with Linux and for about 20 years now, almost. Um, mostly Red Hat products throughout that. And I've been in IT since uh, the, oh gosh, a long time, the early 90s. So um, I'm kind of an old guy. I don't have the gray, but you know, I'm getting there. So um, I'm presently located in Maine, uh, somewhere along the mid coast, uh, just tucked outside of a very little village um on a nice little piece of property that my wife and i purchased a few years ago along with our kids and uh, we re relocated here from uh, suburbia washington dc to uh, sort of change our lifestyle a, a little bit and um, we currently raise uh, sheep and chickens uh, primarily for uh, the sheep are for that are wool so fiber arts and fiber type products um, the offshoot is the, you know, occasionally you feed yourself with some of those products and the chickens are also for eggs and, and uh, feeding as, as we need to. Um, we're dabbling in gardening, self-sufficiency, pretty much all of the things that are giant buzzwords nowadays at, in the COVID world, uh, if you've even thought about not living in the city. so Awesome. So can you talk to us a little bit about in the in your career how you got to where you are and i realize that might be a long story so feel free to start wherever you want to start right. and Just finish to now snoring all <laughs> sure <laughs> so um gosh i've like i said i've been in it since the 90s um my current position i've had since uh, probably about 2012 uh, i was living in phoenix funny enough um up until then, I uh, worked for a couple companies there, one a retail company for about 10 years, primarily managing their Linux environment. Um, and then I worked for a uh, hospitality company for a couple years uh, in between that gig and the one I'm doing now. Um, <clears throat> when I, while we were in Phoenix, my wife and I um, 
sort of, we've always been sort of conservation minded. Um, you know, uh, we're not, we're not preppers by any stretch of the imagination and we don't believe in the global apocalypse and the fall of man and all that stuff, but we are realists in, um, the overpopulation of the world essentially. Uh, and we believe that there at some point won't be enough resources to go around. And then we started to think about what our solutions were and how we could, um, reduce our footprint, be more sustainable, um, you know, and, and figure out how to do that. And, and in the course of, in about that, that same time period that we were sort of thinking about this in the late 20 or the early 2010s, late 2000s, uh, my current employer found me working for a company out there and offered me a position in Washington, D.C. Um, not the ideal location if you're thinking about being conservation minded um, uh, or having a better lifestyle or anything. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite from Phoenix as far as I'm concerned. Um, the, the Washington, D.C. area and the Northern Virginia area is... Um, I refer to it as toxic, honestly. Uh, the, the culture and the the speed at which people are moving um, is just, it's pretty awful. And so we, I knew it was a stepping stone. I knew that it was just a, hopefully just a transition place for me, but, but the, the offer was too good to pass up the employer. I suspected at the time was going to be incredible. Uh, and, and I haven't been wrong about that. Um, so I was there, I've been there since, <clears throat> like I said, about 2012, we lived in Northern Virginia and Winchester, Virginia for <clears throat> a couple of years each. And, um, and uh, back in about 2010, we made a trip, I'm sorry, not 2010, it'd be 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. We made a trip to Maine uh, to check it out. We were mildly curious. We took a little vacation, brought our kids up here in the fall, which is the best time to be in Maine. Uh, I'm sure Chris will tell you the same thing. Absolutely. It's always a good time of year to be in Maine. Let's be yeah, totally I mean, there's never a bad time. Right here. If you're going to rate them, fall's number one. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll go for that. So, and we kind of fell in love with it. We, um, we, we, we drove all around the state, uh, all around the Southern and mid coast and down East parts of the state. Um, and a little bit in the, to, to the County, but not too far, but we kind of got a sense of how the state was the people and whatnot. And, um, we started to make it a mission to move up here and, um, for a number of reasons, but one of them was that I have worked really hard in it for so long. And I was getting pretty close to full-scale burnout, honestly. Um, mm. You know, especially living in D.C., that's a total rat race. Sure. So you're, you're spending, you know, nine, ten hours of your day working, and yeah. then three hours commuting or, you know, two hours commuting, two and a half hours, depending on where you live, commuting back and forth, which leaves you about 15 minutes to yourself in the entire day. And, um, you know, let alone having time with, kids and for your, you know, workout or, or do whatever it is you need to do to keep your mental sanity, you know, in balance sure, sure. your job. So, um, so this, this was, this, we, we had considered, um, a bunch of different States and Maine, Maine ended up being the last one. And that's how we kind of ended up here. Um, we, the cost of living is, a, is pretty good, but, but we were looking mostly for land. Mm. Um, and we kind of stumbled on our current property. I actually was totally against it. My, my wife was all for it. And I, <laughs> I know this story. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, no, 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 no. And we roll up in the driveway. Um, and it's a nice long kind of winding driveway back to the, the house. And, uh, 
Yeah, I was here about 15 minutes and I was like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> um, it has that effect on people up there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's idyllic. And a lot of times we both have to kind of um, walk around and really remind ourselves that we're, we're really fortunate to be here and we're really fortunate yeah. to have this lifestyle. So. Absolutely. So did you always work remotely at your current company? No. Or was that some some type of negotiation that you came to? Yeah. So, my current employer up and up until COVID, and and sure. you know, I would say maybe not quite COVID because uh, we've had a we've had a, a change at the top, and of course, with those changes comes new ideas and fresh thoughts. Okay. Um, and that was probably late last year. But at the time that I wanted to work remotely, there was uh, remote work was only in very very special circumstances, and um, mm-hmm. my immediate management, my boss, my boss's boss, and uh, let's see, three bosses up, um, all went to bat for me. And it took about uh, six months, two failed starts, and uh, countless meetings, memos, and, and discussions to, to, to make it happen. And um, between my employer and Red Hat providing some, some assistance uh, as far as, you know, information and documentation, which sort of helped with, um, I hope, persuading my employer to finally give sure. in you know, sure, knock yourself out. So, so but it was not easy. I mean, it, the culture is mm-hmm. most banks are, are most credit unions and, and banks are pretty conservative. And so they're not very likely to um, necessarily have the best telework uh, cultures. I mean, nowadays, Got that's it. different, right? Sure. You can also- <laughs> Got it. So I'm assuming at the point you were kind of, for lack of a better word, given your freedom to roam about as you wish. That's when you started looking at moving you and your wife. I'll be honest. We started looking before that. Um, I, okay. I didn't wait until I had permission. I, I had reached a point in my personal uh, mindset that I was mm-hmm. going to move out of the Northern Virginia area, either with my current employer or without my current employer. I would have found a different Got one. it. So would you say then a big key in all of this has been kind of putting your needs first before the needs of an employer? Yeah, my, my needs and my family's needs absolutely were mm-hmm. priority in this, uh, this, in this process, in, my, in our decision making. It was, it was very important for us to get, uh, get to a place where we were going to be happy and where, where we would be happy with our kids growing up, for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. And um, since you've been up in Maine on your farm, what differences have you noticed in your lifestyle, both yours and your family's, just in general happiness? Um, I know the farm is pretty hard work from knowing you personally. <laughs> so if you yeah. want to talk a little bit that, about that, that's cool too. Um, from a health perspective, mm-hmm. um, my blood pressure has never been lower. Uh, so, I mean, um, from a, from a medical health perspective, I'm probably in the best shape I've been in 25 years. I, I'd almost bet. I mean, probably since I was in college, 20, however long ago that was, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it's been a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, um, it's busy, you know, my day starts early. It starts typically before the sun comes up and it doesn't end until, the sun's going down. Um, my jobs, I have, um, I have the farm work, which, you know, is tending to animals and and whatnot. And then I have my, my job, my career, which is, um, a nine hour day at at least typically, if not more. Mm -hmm. So, 
um, and and we sort of we work hours, so we work. You know, I have to have office hours, dedicated office hours, and so that that's challenging. Um, you know, with owning a farm, things on the farm don't happen on a schedule ever. Nothing ever happens. You know, on a calendar. Sure. And so, um, but but as far as our um, lives changing, I, I mean, we've slowed down a ton. Um, that's good and bad. Uh, I think there's there's some some of the positives to living in a little more populated area or a little more of a progressive area, you know, there's more to do. There's, there's more things for your kids to be involved in. Um, but, but over the last couple of years, we've, we found things. Um, my youngest daughter picked up ice hockey, uh, which is not something that I ever would have expected had we lived, you know, where we've lived in the past. And, um, and she's, she's picked up a great group of friends up here that they have their own, you know, their own things to do. And a, a lot of those, typical suburbia, the, those typical suburbia type things, but in a very rural setting. And um, she has all this outdoors to explore in addition to all that. And you may not necessarily mm. get that. You know? I mean, she can walk out her backyard and right. she's exposed to everything outside. It's, right. It's, it's a little different. Um, whereas, you know, you have the big wide world out there. I mean, you can go and take a, a walk in the local park, but it's, it's not the same it's, as rolling up the road to the local pond and jumping in the, the pond with your three friends off there. Yeah, family. absolutely. I and mean, and, and, you, and that's at seven yeah. o'clock on a Thursday night, you know? Yeah, like, I, I hear you. I mean, so, I find myself always telling people that, you know, I, I miss often the feeling of just being able to jump in a pond and that water is so pure. You can drink it and you can't buy anything like that at a grocery store. It's just not possible. Yeah. And that was that funny enough, the water It's funny you mentioned that, but that was mm -hmm. one of our big things. And that started in Phoenix. And, and really, um, I have, I have a friend who worked for the water services department in Phoenix for a number almost three decades. And he retired, um, from there. And we, I've had many a conversation with him. A lot of people, you know, are like, you know, the desert is, uh, incompatible with humans. There's no water. There's not enough water. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And that's a concern, obviously, you know, you, you don't want to grow grass in the desert. It always drove me bonkers you know, um, that people would bring grass over from California. And sure. I get it. And that's sure. an incredible amount of water. And that's, you see that and it blows your mind that these people are like watering grass in the desert. You know, I, <laughs> what is wrong with people? They're just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, I mean, okay. And the same could be said for a pool, you know, who in the world wants a pool in the desert? Well, I mean, who, you know, the water for a pool, it just evaporates almost as fast as you put it in there. But honestly, you have to have a pool if you live in Phoenix, there's no other way to live in <laughs> Um, so, but that was one of the key things that we always kind of keyed off of was that we were contributing just as much to that problem by being in Phoenix, um, as anybody else, honestly. I mean, you just can't be there and not be a part of that problem. And so, mm -hmm. uh, we love Phoenix. We still love Phoenix and we miss Phoenix every day. We absolutely miss our, our life in Phoenix and a lot of our friends, but, but that want and that need um, can't be, can't supersede our desire to make a better place for our kids. Um, and I, my wife and I, I are most important in our life is our kids and, and the world that we're leaving behind for them and, and the skills that they are, they're going to need to have, um, in the next, you know, 40 years, 50 years. Uh, uh, so we really needed to make sure that we were in a place where we could pass that on to them and, and make sure they're self-sufficient. Sure. So you mentioned a little bit about 
that nothing on a farm happens on a schedule. <laughs> so how do you balance that with the world that does happen on a schedule? Um, in our, in both of our lives, we have meetings all day yeah. and they're very rigid from, you know, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Yeah. How do you balance that? Well, um, by and large, um, I, I try and schedule as many, the things that I can schedule related to the farm. Um, you know, I typically try and push off till after work. And so my day ends at four 30, you know, and, and, and animal husbandry, the veterinary work, um, which, you know, having a flock of sheep is not constant, but it's, there's, there's generally a fair, <clears throat> fair amount of work to do with them almost on a daily basis. Um, all that has to happen after I get done with this job and typically before dinner, you know what I mean? So, or, or whatever, you know, whatever, however you work your schedule out in the afternoon, but it has to happen after work, before dinner, before hockey practice, you know, before the kids got to be wherever and you go get groceries, you know what I mean? And do all these right. other things. Sure, sure. Um, so, so, so my work schedule, I mean, I do the best I can. Uh, my, my management is very um, supportive, yeah. you know, and uh, they understand, especially now in, in the COVID world, that our lives are not the same as they were two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think managers are seeing that people can do the same amount of work in a you know, spread out over say a 12 hour day, but maybe they need to take an extra half an hour here or there to, to, to manage things related to their family. Um, sure. You know, that structured time you were talking about, I, I think that's becoming more fluid for better or for worse. I think that mm -hmm. has some downsides to it. People are having a harder time um, disengaging from work um, when sure. they need to you know, um, yeah, absolutely. but, but for me in my day, I, I mean, I really try and stick to the schedule. And if I find that it's just, we're tied up either, either my wife carries the load, which she does uh, very admirably. She's awesome at it. She will pick up and, you know, go take care of whatever needs to be take, taken care of. If, if I can't get to it, no matter what it is, you mm -hmm. know, um, or, or I just schedule a little bit of time off in my calendar to manage whatever that problem is, you know, and if I have to step away for 30 minutes to deal with it, you know, I, it's just, it's either time off or, or I just let my manager know that, you know, I'm taking off for a few minutes mm. and I'll be right back. So it's the way it is. And I assume from your know, personal experience, you're, you have an understanding with, and you touched on this a little bit, you have an understanding with your management that, look, this is the lifestyle I lead. So for instance, with me, you know, Hey, look, I'm really into the outdoors. I am off the grid. Like literally you cannot contact me. And that's an understanding you just have to establish with your management. Yeah, I, I, that's a conversation and that's different for everyone, right? Um, sure. yeah, you're a very off the grid person. I know this for a fact. When you <laughs> off the grid, you're like off the grid, you know? Um, I, I mean, I don't hear from you for, you know, I you mean, know, you mean there's no running water for electricity? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's definitely not got internet. So. Nope. <laughs> you know, but, um, that's a conversation people need, to, especially now need to have with mm -hmm. their management that look, when I'm not working, I'm not working. Um, right. I really mean it. I'm not working, you know, and um, if I don't answer you after hours, unless you're like on call, like your job is to be available, you know, you separate right. your time frame or whatever. I mean, you need to, you need to be firm with your management about that. I, I think it's unfair for managers now, especially now to expect people um, to work schedules that they didn't work before. That's taking advantage of employees. And uh, that's definitely not an issue with, with my team at all. Sure. Uh, I, I don't expect anybody I work with to do that. 
my management does not expect that of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, um, I forgot I was going to lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Some shiny ran by the window. No, uh, it's, uh, hey, um, no worries. That's again, main. That's yeah, how exactly. it works. <laughs> I'm distracted by everything. So, um, so go ahead. No, I'm good. So would you also say that uh, working on a farm has helped you get away from work or yeah. have, has it, has it led you to kind of, you know, force you to put the work down after a while and uh, like, Hey, you have to get up. It, you know, what I would say is that um, having the farm work mm-hmm. um, helps me shift gears. I, I would say um, when my day is done working, and I'm going to go do farm work or going to do chores or whatever it is we're going to go do. Um, it's a very finite cut. The minute I walk out of this office and go outside, I'm not thinking really about work. Um, Nine times out of 10, I would say. Um, There's obviously, if you're in tech and you're a developer or a programmer or a sysadmin, you know that you're always thinking about something, some problem you had or whatever. Um, But but the farm work is sort of my my yin to the yang, as you will. You know what it's like tech work. Um, so if I'm doing that, I'm really thinking about that, or I'm really not thinking about anything at all. And, um, you know, with the sheep, it's especially during the summer here, we're moving them every couple of days on pasture. Um, that's to keep their health up. So they, they move pretty frequently. It's about 45 minutes of work worth of, uh, just walking and pulling and, and putting up fencing and stuff. And so it, it's, it's just, it's this little ballet you go through every, every couple of days. Um, but it helps me, just sort of relax and just, and just chill out. I get some exercise. I get to walk out on my big hay fields or my pastures and just, you know, soak in the trees and the sun and uh, get bit by mosquitoes. (laughs) The state bird of Maine. (laughs) The bird of many states, but Maine definitely. So um, we're just about out of mosquito season. It should be snowing any minute here. So, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, that it's, for me, it's pretty finite. I'm either working on work, mm-hmm. I'm working on farm things, or I'm hanging out with the family, or um, I'm sleeping on the couch. So uh, <laughs> 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 once I finally shut down, you know, at night after after we've had dinner and, and I finally get to sit down on the couch, I usually don't last too long on the couch before I'm sleeping. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to take one of those sheep hiking. That's that's a thing. Oh, we're oh, we're going to do that now. <laughs> I just can't. I it can't even, the, the thought of trying to put a sheep... I mean, some sheep are great. Some sheep are awesome on leads. Um, right, right. So they're they're a particularly wild breed, and <clears throat> they're a bit to handle. So. <laughs> hey, you know, another thing um, I've noticed um, with people who live kind of quote unconventional lifestyles for typical tech employees is sometimes uh, they fear that it can be hard to relate to other people within tech. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um. Well, it, I mean, I guess in my case, I've been in tech for a long time before I started to do something not tech. Mm-hmm. And so I maintain a, a lot of that commonality, the tech commonality. Okay. Um, I will say more and more, I'm finding other people uh, who have chosen similar paths, such as yourself, sure. um, or the person who sort of inspired me or us to kind of do this same process. He, sure. he was already in tech and he 
um, chose the same route actually to, he chose to uh, raise sheep and own a farm and, and, um, and, and do that over tech actually in his case. But, um, you know, for a while he was doing both. And it was, I, I suspect in his case too, it was a very yin and yang type of situation. Um, but I think, you know, tech people are tech people. Um, and I think a lot of tech people um, fall into this same um, dual persona where we like, some tech people are really tech. They like tech all the time, 24 hours. Sure, yeah, I used absolutely. to be that way, you know? Okay. Um, but I think there's a lot of us now, especially some of us older guys that are, eh, we don't, we don't really want to tech after we get done teching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, I've had enough tech for today or this week or whatever. Yeah. I want to go be gone for the weekend or, or just not be around in the afternoon. So um, I, don't, I don't find it too hard to relate to most tech people. I, I'm still fairly involved in um, some open source communities and uh, with my tech people at work too. So it's, it's not very difficult for me, um, but I could see mm -hmm. <clears throat> some, some people just, they like being in the woods. They'd rather be in the woods than do the tech thing. Right? So, um, you know, well, <laughs> I, it. I get it, you know, I mean, well I'm, now, <laughs> you know, um, and that's totally cool. I, I totally, I totally get that. So, so <clears throat> because I don't think we ever, talked about this in this episode yet why cheap what oh. <laughs> you you talked about how you wanted to move up to maine for land but why why sheep and chickens on top of that what well, why you know, chickens are sort of the the ubiquitous farm animal right everybody's right sure sure i get they're, that they're, they're good for eggs they're good for you know if if, if you need them if, you, if you're in, into chicken you like chicken they're good for the chicken meat you know oh sure absolutely pretty yeah. low maintenance right, right. speaking you know um, sheep are, are n none of those things. They're not low maintenance. They're very high maintenance. Um, and, um, at least they're not uh, horses, you know? Yeah. They're not horses, but they're, horses. Uh, you know, um, and it's, it's been said numerous times that sheep are simply an animal just looking for a way to die. And that's, that's the truth, honestly, is they're just, they're not, they're not stupid, but they're just not geniuses either. So, uh, so my wife uh, is really big into fiber arts, um, doing uh, uh, woven uh, rugs and, and different types of woven products and stuff like that. She's actually working on uh, costumes for uh, um, uh, for a reenactment for um, uh, Viking era reenactment and stuff. We're, we're oh, going to cool. participate in SEA. And, uh, awesome. So she's actually hand making a lot of those garments and things. Um, but, mm -hmm. but she's always been into fiber arts and sewing and that kind of stuff. And so sure. uh, sheep obviously provide, uh, you know, wool as that's in, in some breed or some breeds, that's their primary thing they provide is wool. Um, mm -hmm. And in our case, our sheep are actually triple purpose sheep. They provide wool, they're good meat sheep, and they're good dairy sheep if you choose to do them, use them for dairy as well. Um, so you know, my wife just did a bunch of research on it and just decided we were going to give it a whirl. And we started with four and we're up to 24. So as of this week, so. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, so that was probably a pretty big jump for you to, you and your wife to have well, this idea to kind of jump. Yeah. Basically, I mean, Basically, I'm, not a farmer, right? I, I'm a tech guy and um you know she grew up in the country a little bit you know right but, uh, i grew up in suburban america my entire life I, sure sure 
you know, visited a couple of farms and uh, gone camping, done, you know, the outdoorsy things, but I uh, was definitely never a farmer. Um, so I really had no concept of what we were getting into. I just was like, ah, whatever, we're gonna live in Maine. Cool, let's go, you know. And uh, I hear it's cold up there, which is awesome. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> it's uh, not like Phoenix, yeah, I imagine. It's, yeah, yeah, it's exact opposite. I'd imagine I imagine anyway. being hot too. I just, I, I cannot stand being hot. I absolutely love Well, it. you don't get much of that up in Maine, so we're just <laughs> you're about good. Done. Yeah, we got, what, we got maybe one more week, and I think we're done with it. Oh, so. God, I hope it's uh, done soon. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, I, I think in the last three years, uh, you know, I would, sp- prior to that, I would spend a lot of time learning tech because I needed to learn something and my mm. brain just needed to do something. Uh, my wife and I are very um, educational people and we're just always learning something. And, you know, my wife's sure. always reading a book about something or, you know, and, and so um, I, I didn't want to do tech after hours. So I didn't want to sit around doing classes after hours. I, I'd been through the Red Hat Certified Architect program. I have, you know, passed all the exams to become a Red Hat Certified Architect. That was sort of the penultimate goal for me. I hit it, done, cool. Okay, I'm burnt out on taking exams. I'm done. You know, I, I mm-hmm. need to learn something else. So I got to shift all of that, that learning uh, energy. Interesting. Yeah, to, to, to farming. And, okay. um, you know, never in my mind, if you would told me 10 years ago that you'd be in, that I would be in Midcoast, Maine, you know, learning how to build fencing for a farm, right? Really? Right. You know, right. Uh, or how to lamb, how to how to help sheep lamb, or how to do veterinary medicine. There's one for you. You know. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's great. I I've got other things to learn about. Um, I'm I'm definitely a do-it-yourselfer. So I'm not one of those. You know what I mean? I'll, if something needs right. to be built, I'm gonna go build it. I'm not gonna rely on somebody else to do it. And I think that's that's key. Like if you're on the fence about whether or not you should do the, this kind of lifestyle where you shift to being out in the woods. Um, if you can't do things on your own, don't do it. Um, <laughs> if you have to rely on it's true. for you or to, it's going to be expensive. If you have yeah, to rely on other people to build it for you, if you call the plumber when your toilet clogs, don't do this. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to have a, a you know, and, and some, some gumption to, you know, to just take care of these things on your own. I remember when, um, as a side story, I remember when I went on a, a real estate tour of a place in Maine, um, the, the realtor was talking about septic tanks and the place was up on the side of a mountain and he goes, Oh yeah, you can just call a guy and you can get another septic tank put in here. Oh really? You can just call a guy. It's that cheap, huh? Just it's that simple up here. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, you just call a guy and, and I mean, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, so we, we, we were challenged by a few things like that. Like, um, we're not painters. I hate painting. Um, and our, our house needs painting. Uh, and so just trying to find somebody to paint your house up here is challenging. Right. Uh, sure. You know, and so you, we're going to have to take on a little bit on our own and, and, um, you know, we've done some things that are uncomfortable, uh, <laughs> like, um, like lambing is, you know, helping. I would imagine. And yes. I'm not going into the details unless you really want me to go. Into no, it, it's cool. <laughs> you're, but, but you're all right, man. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those experiences, like, you know, you hear about it maybe, you know, but, but until you've actually helped birth another animal, you cannot, or a, yeah, another animal, you cannot truly appreciate life 
in my mind. I, there is nothing more mm -hmm. gratifying um, than helping, uh, you know, uh, in that process. There's nothing more devastating than helping in that process. And, and you know, one of, one of the lambs not making it. We've, sure. Uh, you know, you, you get the highs and the lows with farming. There's so much emotional roller coaster some days where it's just, my tech job has never been so stressful, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's most of the time it's just smooth sailing, but every now and again, you get that one situation and you're like, oh boy, mm -hmm. um, or, or here's a new challenge, you know, uh, I, uh, I can't remember if you were up here, no, for the great, for the porcupine incident. No, you weren't up here. No, I was not. No. <laughs> um, so one of my sheep got in a tangle with a porcupine. Oh right? God. <laughs> I mean, and so, um, you know, my wife and I kind of sat around and hemmed and hawed over that one about, well, what, you know, when you have a dog, you take him to the vet and the vet takes care of it. But right. You know, we don't have a vet close by. And uh, so we, we went out there with pliers and, you know, uh, whatever medicines the sheep needed. And we sure. popped him down on his butt and took care of it ourselves. I mean, those are, those are challenges that you, you can't even imagine until you're like, and you're in it. And you're, you've got to figure out how to deal with that kind of stuff. You've got to, got to be capable of figuring that out uh, on your own. So that, that's an interesting subject. You mentioned that you've never had as much respect for life and death as you've had before. Are there any th are there any other aspects of kind of your newish life on the farm that have made you appreciate other things about life that you maybe didn't before? Uh, well, first and foremost, um, I gotta tell you, my my wife and I both have learned an incredible respect for farmers and and mm. anybody who does any sort of farming work or food provisioning, food providing for the general population. Sure. Um, most people are so disconnected from their food. They go to the store and they get it and they don't understand mm -hmm. the countless hours and, uh, mm. you know, emotional toil that, that people go through, especially in times like now, you know, I mean, sure. uh, that people go through to uh, make sure that there's food available for others. Uh, and, <clears throat> I think farmers do an incredible service for the world. And I just don't think they get enough, enough credit for what they do. I think it's huge. Um, and there's so many other aspects of um, living in a small town that uh, just the people um, that you don't really appreciate until you're involved in it. And, um, you know, Maine's not real big on outsiders, um, but we, we felt... <laughs> I'm being generous there, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are worse places. There are worse places. <laughs> there are worse places. You know, but, it depends uh, on where you are in Maine too, right? You know, if, if you, you, if you ask people from Maine what they think of people from southern New England. Or southern Maine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's, that's also very true. <laughs> um, they will tell you. <laughs> yeah, they'll tell you. So, um, but we have managed to somehow land in a community of really awesome people here. And we have some really cool friends and neighbors that we can, we found we could really depend on. And I grant you um, that trust isn't given, you know, it's just, sure. um, you have to earn uh, the respect of the people here. And, and um, in rural communities, I think that's mostly, I, I mean, I think this is happening everywhere, but you're finding a lot of, of, of urbanites are, relocating to these rural areas and then you know the the rural people are, are obviously distrustful um right because they don't know what their motivations are you know they it's, 
it's it's very common for people to move to a new location and they essentially push their values and norms onto that location they yeah. just moved to as if they've yeah. been there their entire life, you know. And um, we we really did not want to to be those people. We really right. wanted to um, just sort of assimilate and blend in and and just um, mm. be a part of community. So my, my wife and I are trying. My wife's very involved in a couple of community uh, organizations, and we recently just. Um, became committee members on a broadband committee for our town to start working on broadband uh, availability for our uh, our town here in the area. Um, broadband is a huge problem in all rural areas, Maine included. Sure. And, um, you know, it's, it's anymore, it should be like turning the lights on. You should have broadband. It's just not a, it shouldn't be a, you only, it should not be only the privilege to have broadband. Um, it should be a, a utility that everyone has and it's mm -hmm. available and it's true broadband not what the fcc has defined as broadband so don't get me started on that <laughs> we'll save that for another time yeah. although i'm willing to bet you most of our viewers definitely agree with you yeah i, I mean it's kind of the way our world works <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's uh it's right. pretty insane so what 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 they classify as broadband is just it's not so, yeah. yeah anyway <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I know what you mean about, you know, rural people being skeptical of more urbanites, you know, going into their land, for lack of a better word, um, and bringing their culture and kind of their, their ways with them. And it, what I mean by that is the kind of more ugly aspects of their culture. So, you know, for instance, with, with people from Massachusetts, uh, you know, following people really closely, tailgating, driving aggressively, I mean, and that's just in the grocery store. That's not even on the roads. So yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so I yeah I, I get that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's it's a double-edged sword. Um, these communities, um, they're they can't they can sustain themselves. I don't want to say they can't sustain themselves because they can. Um, they'll they you know there's people in Maine aren't generally moving around so much that they're like emptying out population centers and filling up another population center. You know, mm -hmm. um, my, my village, the population generally seems to stay about this or my town. I'm sorry. The, the population seems to stay about the same. Um, but I, just for our uh, audience, there is a difference between a village and a town yeah. for urbanite audiences. There's a legal difference there. Just to clarify. <laughs> I, I called it a village a couple of times and I realized that I'll probably get corrected immensely if somebody hears that so it's a town um but but it i think it's it's good to bring new ideas right and like the sure. internet thing i it, most people that live here um you know maybe in the retirement age maybe i'm not sure of the exact demographics i can tell you what i generally think they are and i would say they're generally all closer to retirement age if not in retirement age and they may not see the need for broadband but um that fresh perspective or a younger generation that has kids that are going to school um, or maybe they have kids in their homeschooling. You know, we've homeschooled right. our daughter up until uh, this past year. Uh, she's going into high school this year. Um, and it's important to have that infrastructure and they don't, they, maybe they just don't understand that, you know? And so having a, a fresh set of ideas, maybe from not from here, isn't bad. It's just the way in which you bring those ideas to the community. Um, sure. You know, too many people go into a new location and they demand it. They get on the HOA board and they demand it. I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. the route right there to you know take over is to get on the HOA. You know, and, uh, right, right. 
You could abolish every HOA in the country and I wouldn't lose a minute's sleep over that one. Oh, me neither. <laughs> you know my story with my <laughs> HOA. <laughs> I've lived in too many and I saw. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but in these smaller towns, you just cannot barrel in and, and you mm. know, bring your ideas. You have, to, you have to learn to do it gradually or, or graciously, you know, and, and um, if you're passionate about it and, and you, you spend the time to get to know people, they're more willing to listen to you, I think, uh, than if you just blow in and, you know, start making edicts about how things are going to be. So, yeah. <laughs> Sure. So, hey, I know that, um, you know, for me kind of following in, in your footsteps and going up to Maine myself, uh, for our viewers who don't know, I have a, a cabin up on a mountain in Maine myself. And it is a beautiful uh, cabin. I just looked at the pictures. I don't know how I missed your social, your, your, your feet about it, but uh, no, yeah, it's awesome. No worries. Um, it, even though it, it is a passion for me, and I'm assuming it was for you too to make this move, for me, I still had very much a block of, I was scared to say, honestly, like, holy crap, am I actually going to move up to this little town of, you know, 150 people? Like, what are you doing, man? Um, even though I'm not there full time, it, it's, it was still a, a blocker. Um, was it like that for you? And if so, do you have any suggestions for somebody who does have that passion, but they're just they're a little apprehensive? Um, my, my concerns in my particular situation were, um, not so much about me moving to Maine, but about really foremost, it was about my kids moving to Maine. Um, okay. and, uh, I, at the time I had one daughter that was in high school and another that was homeschooling. And so how, you know, how are they going to integrate into the society up here? Um, and how were they going to be perceived by others? <clears throat> Um, so we had to work sure. through those things, you know, how are we, my wife and I going to be, you know, how are we going to integrate into the, the, the communities up here? Um, was I afraid? Uh, no. Um, apprehensive? No, not really. I don't usually get very apprehensive about much. I mean, I, 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 I'll take on whatever, you know, um, but, but I will, I mean, I was cautiously optimistic that this was the right decision. Um, that was probably the biggest thing was, is this the right decision? Are we doing the right thing? And you can never know when you make that decision. You, you just don't know. You just have to have the conviction that, you know, this is what I want to do and I'm mm. going to make a go at it. And yeah. um, if you're, if you're, if you're considering this changing your work life balance so drastically, cause it's, if you're doing talking about what I'm doing, it's pretty drastic. I mean, it's very sure. drastic if you're coming from the big city. If, if you live in Boston or you live in DC or Richmond or I don't pick your city and you suddenly decide to move to where um, the nearest town is 40 minutes away. You know, right. um, th that's a yeah. big culture shock. You really are. I mean, you, you mm. have to really think your life through every day. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, is that trip to town really worth it? You know, and I'm, I, I'm not in Alaska, right? I'm not, I'm not six hours from civilization. I'm, right. I'm, I'm 20 minutes to the gas station. If that, you know what I mean? And our right. town is an awesome little general store that uh, is three minutes up the road. I'm not totally cut off. Um, I, but the first time my mom came up here, she asked if we were in the witness protection program. So it's all perspective. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, I get that all the time. Are you prepping for the doomsday? Like, what are you doing up here, man? <laughs> It just depends on how you come to my property. If you come one way, it seems like we're in the middle of nowhere. But in reality, we're really not that far from anything. Um, right. 
but I, you know, if you, if you're thinking about it, um, just, just be, just be sure that you're really going to give it a go. Um, and, and that's all you can do. I mean, and yeah, okay, maybe maybe once you get out there, it wasn't. So make sure you have a fallback plan, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, some kind, you know. Um, yeah. Make sure that you visit the area that you're going to, or you think you're going to go to, and that you kind of feel out the locals and see what kind of people they are and see if they're mm. maybe not like you because anywhere you go, um, they're probably not going to be like you necessarily. Um, but I will say the one thing about Maine is, um, at least in our, our experience has been, um, if you don't want to talk about something, you don't have to talk about something. So, you know, if you don't want to talk about the, the two taboo topics that you can't talk to your friends about anymore, politics and religion, then you don't have to, you know, um, mm -hmm. people are just like, whatever, you know, uh, that may not be the same everywhere though. And it may not even be the same in all parts of Maine, but it's generally where we, where we landed. It's, you know, you stick to you, you do you, I'll do me and mm. we're, we're all good. Um, but I, I think you, you have to have that personal conviction. I think that's the yeah. normal thing that, that, that this is the thing you want to do, even if it's not right. I absolutely agree. I remember uh, somebody in my course of, I guess, uh, of being convinced to do this. I remember she looked at me and she said, the reality is that none of us are getting rich we're not buying private jets. We're not buying big mansions out in Miami or whatever. You only live once. Do it. Yep. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that's. My, my that's neighbors are, are people that <clears throat> until I met them, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever met people quite like them. Um, they're, they're both mm. in their, in their close to retirement age. I'm not, you know, I don't know exactly their age. Sure, um, sure. They, uh, one of them's from New York. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's from one of the boroughs and the other one's a Mainer. Uh, he used mm -hmm. to live upstate and, and moved down here, uh, a long time ago and owns the property just adjacent to mine. Um, and he's taught me a ton about farming that I, it's great to have a resource that close, but what I find the most admirable about him is that even in, um, this late, later stage of their lives, they're, um, finishing up section hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, and both of them, you know, have the, some of the physical ailments of just age, you know, and just the bones are creaking and whatever, sure, but, sure, they're, sure. but they're out there, you know, a week at a time finishing up the sections they needed to do to finish that up. And, and that, that level of, of drive and, and, and conviction just personifies people up here. It's just, that's just, that, you know, they just, they decide to do something, they're going to do it. And mm. that's all there is to it, you know? And I think one, one thing that attracts me to the region anyway, um, I know you and I are in different regions of Maine, but it, it, by and large, Mainers are just honestly some of the purest people I've ever met in my life. Good or bad. Just, uh, you're going to get, you're going to get both sides of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking in comparison to where I am full-time right is in massachusetts yeah um people from maine are just honest as the yeah. day is long yeah. and uh, gonna tell you what they think about you <laughs> yeah that's true for better or for worse yeah for better or for worse i mean yeah um, absolutely. Or, or maybe not directly but you're gonna know you know <laughs> yeah well it's a small town you'll figure it out somehow <laughs> 
They'll you'll figure it out. It's a small town. But, but, and then, and I've lived in a lot of places, and I've not lived in too many rural places, but I've been to huh. a lot of rural places. Uh, uh, you know, my wife's family's from a, a pretty rural area, and ha- uh, half of my family uh, is from a very rural area in Mississippi, and it's true everywhere. Um, people in more rural areas, I think, are more likely to tell you what they're thinking, you know, uh, directly instead of telling sure. the neighbor, and then you're you finding out from your neighbor. Uh, maybe that's why we always got along together. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe it's a, I, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it's cool. I mean, you know, from a, so up here, what I don't worry about, I don't really worry about what my neighbors think about me because I know what my neighbors think about me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, that's another key to, um, that's one of the things I really don't like about Northern Virginia. Um, I, I think the people there, um, I don't know, it's just not a very positive atmosphere in my mind. I, people are mm-hmm. so caught up in, in out-competing each other. Um, I think that's any, any uh, urban area. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way in Massachusetts. It's all about competing and yeah. being better than the next person. Yeah. And, and to me, things that don't, I'm not sure really matter all the time. I'm you also know? Just jealous of my neighbor's farm equipment nowadays. I'm like, man, I can use one of those, you know? <laughs> Would I save have, me a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the level of, you know, that's my perspective now. It's not, you know, I'm not like, oh man, you know, that, his kid's going to Yale. I'm like, I mean, yeah. my kid's going to go to a cool college, you know, or she's going to have whatever life she chooses. Right. To. Sure. Of course. Now it's uh, more along the lines of, oh, he's got a beer cooler on there. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Cool. Oh, handy. Um, but we just, I mean, and that, like, that, like, leads to that sense of calm. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, when the sun's setting and I'm, I'm sitting out on the hay field, either on the tractor, and my wife and I are sitting out watching the sunset or whatever, just, just, that's, it's, that's one less thing you're worrying about. You're just not thinking about that kind of stuff. You're just sitting there thinking yeah. about, eh, the trees are looking a little yellow today, you know, or, um, sure. you know, oh, yeah, look, there's six feet of snow on the ground all of a sudden, or, you know, whatever. Right, right. You, you just yeah. don't think, you don't have to worry about those things. And, and that's great. I, it's great that I'm very, very fortunate that I can, I can have this lifestyle and mm-hmm. have, uh, the tech world too. Um, sure. I, I think that's huge. Um, because without the tech world, this wouldn't be possible. Uh, farming yeah. is not lucrative at all. <laughs> so. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's this weird, in my opinion, at least it's this weird dual existence that works, but it's also opposite in a lot of ways, but it's, it is kind of like, it's a, it's a yin yang relationship. Yeah, it is. Um, for me, it is, you know, and I, for others, they may find it. I mean, believe me, there are days where I want to just <clears throat> dig a hole and throw all the farming things into the hole and then close it up and just be done with it. Don't get, it's hard. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. For but, sure. But there, but that hard difficulty is what makes it so rewarding because when you learn to do that thing or you, conquered that or you've saved that lamb or you've you know done whatever um that's the reward um you know seeing your kids <laughs> jumping in a lake at 7 30 at night you know um with their friends i mean you just yeah. you can't put a price on that you, you can't yeah. you know you can't buy it either you know you, you, you definitely value in my opinion at least you value 
what's important. Yeah. And you start refocusing on what's important. Like you said, watching your kids jump in a lake, um, just the simple joy of that. And to me, I think sometimes people mistake that for, you know, simple, dumb, rural guy. But is it? No. Or is it just appreciating important you things? Know, I, I tell you, when, when <laughs> one of my favorite things, and uh, I don't know if I've ever told my wife, but one of my favorite things about being here is just seeing her smile here. Yeah. Um, because being here mm-hmm. and being in this life makes her yeah. smile. And for me, that my wife's happiness and my kids' happiness is everything. So if, yeah. if, if, if I can work all day and make that happen, then all of this is worthwhile. All, all the struggle that we've been through and, and which hasn't really been that much. I, I don't want to make it sound like we went through a, you know, a war or anything, but right. uh, you know, it's, it's how we got here and, and it's all been worthwhile. So, and, and being here and, and mm-hmm. uh, doing the hard work makes just the smiles on my wife and my kids' faces make it all worthwhile. Absolutely. Beautifully summed up. So thanks for talking to us, Will. And uh, I guess before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to mention that we didn't go over? Um, no, I, I want to, I mean, you know, you asked me the question and I just want to say it again, I mean, if you're thinking about it, if you like even remotely think you want to do it, <laughs> um, kind of like you go get a place in the woods for two weeks and, and live right. outdoors, you know, and, or try and find near, you know, the Airbnb world. Try and find an yeah, Airbnb. Absolutely. Try it on for size. Yeah. And, um, you know, or whether they'll let you help out on the farm. There's a couple of bed and breakfasts not too far from me that they're, they're, they're happy to, to have people help out a little bit. And you can find out what real, if you don't know, what real hard work is. Um, and I always <laughs> need people to come it's help true. me stack firewood. So, you know, anytime you want to come up, I got, I got a few cores to put away. Every oh, I'll be up there. Don't worry. <laughs> This stuff builds character. It yeah, does. Yeah. It builds character. It's the only it's the only fuel source that heats three times. So. Yep. It's uh, you know, I I always say to people, and I think people still think I'm nuts when I say this, is you know, it's the moments the moments when you realize what's important in life, at least for me, are the moments where you are drenched in sweat, everything hurts, probably you feel like throwing up a little bit. That's when that's when enlightenment starts happening. Yeah. <laughs> And no, you're right. Is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Once it, I don't know, I I've never worked this hard, um, for so long sure. and felt so good about it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I mean, I've worked a lot of hard jobs. I've worked for rock quarries and asphalt plants, you know, in my life and I've worked at McDonald's, I've worked at amusement parks, you know, I've done kind of just a little bit of everything, but, but I've never felt as rewarded about the physical work I do as I do here. Um, and, and, and I think, I think having the tech part of my life and that part of my life makes it all that much more rewarding because I know what it's like to have a job at a desk. Every, you know, I do that every day. And then I go right. to the part every day too. And, and I think they, they balance each other out and the, the reward of the physical is, is that much greater. So. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time to chat. And for everybody else, if you are interested in taking a journey down mental health road, per se, with me, feel free to subscribe to this uh, podcast series. So once again, thank you, Will. Yeah, thanks, Chris. uh, It's been great. As always, super grateful, man. (laughs) Take it easy. You too. Enjoy. All right.